It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, our man on the scene, CNHI Sports Editor, George Bremer, who's, of course, been on the program a bunch of times, one of my favorite people to talk to. George, I understand that the weather in Indy is not so great right now. Yeah, still just raining right now, but they're putting salt down. The trucks are out there putting the salt down, so we're getting ready for snow tomorrow and uh, maybe later today. It was nice. It was beautiful yesterday. It was like 50 degrees. Uh, started out 40 today. It's been falling throughout the day, and I don't know what it is. They moved the combine around the, the counter from week to week. It, it feels like every year uh, it gets moved back a little bit more every year, and no matter what, somehow it, it ends up being you know two or three of the coldest days of the year while they're here. It's, it's like clockwork. At least it's indoors, right? Yes, that's a great thing. And, and the best thing about downtown Indy is everything's indoors. I mean, everything's connected to the convention center, so you can get from here to, to eat, to your hotel, wherever you want to go without going outdoors. So uh, that's the good news. But uh, once again, not exactly a tropical paradise here in, in Indiana. We have a lot to talk about because a lot has gone on at the Combine so far, but I want to start with the receivers. And you told me something really interesting about Henry Ruggs, who, by the way, apparently has gigantic hands. And I want you to remember hand size because we're going to touch on that a little bit later as well. But tell me what you learned about Henry Ruggs. Yeah, this is the only time of year that anybody cares what, what your hands measure. But right now, that's like the most important, <laughs> uh, one of the most important things on earth. So. That's always interesting. But Henry Ruggs, I thought, was one of the more intriguing guys. Everybody knows he's got a chance to, to put up a really blistering time, uh, you know, in the 40-yard dash. Uh, some people think he's got a chance to break the combine record. I don't know if I go that far. That, that's, you know, the reason combine records are combine records. Uh, they're not easy to, to obtain. Uh, but he's definitely one of the fastest guys in the country. Uh, he's got a little bit of a track background, so I think there's, there's some reason to believe that he can put up a really big number. But he said when he's training – uh, the guys that he's working with, he doesn't want to know the number. He runs a 40, and all he wants to know is, was it a good time or not? He doesn't want to hear a specific number. Uh, he said it's more about confidence to him. As long as he feels like it was good, that's good enough. Uh, it's not just interesting. You, you hear all these obsessions over, you know, 4-2, 4-3, what was your time? And it, Everybody's kind of arguing over hundreds of a second, and Henry Ruggs is out there saying, you know what, as long as it felt good, that's good enough. Let's talk about some other receivers, George. There was a lot going on today, but it was quarterback day. And if you're a Jets fan and you think that quarterbacks don't matter to you, you're wrong because, A, you want to see these guys do well so that teams, perhaps like the Colts, move up ahead of the Jets and grab a quarterback, push some guys down to the Jets that they need. And also, you never know, the Jets might be looking for a quarterback on day three to groom and develop to be a long-term backup project. But let's talk about wide receiver before we get to the quarterbacks. T. Higgins, what do you got on him? 
Yeah, T was an interesting guy. I mean, first of all, everybody knows he's he's a big giant target, uh, and he, he he was towering over people on the podium today, which isn't a surprise at all. But you know, I thought he got a little defensive. It was interesting. Uh, he was talking about a lot of people think he's big and he's slow. And he said, all you got to do is go look at the tape. I'm not slow. And I would agree with him. I think he just watched the two playoff games. T. Higgins can fly. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who's going to be a big mismatch for people. And it's this receiving group, to me, is going to be incredibly interesting because, you know, you hear from, from everybody, from Daniel Jeremiah to, uh, you know, people on Twitter watching clips on YouTube. It, it doesn't matter. Everybody talks about the depth of this wide receiver class. Uh, you know, one of the deepest classes in years. And so how are guys going to separate themselves in this group? When it, it looks like, I think a couple guys have said, I know Jeremiah was one of them. I think Mel Kiper has mentioned it. Something on the lines of like 24 players or more receivers going in the first three rounds, which mm-hmm. is incredible to even think about a number like that. Uh, or at least have grades to go in the first three rounds. So how do you separate from a group like that? You know, a guy like Henry Ruggs is, is blisteringly fast. A guy like Higgins, he's got that good speed. He thinks he's going to run a high 4-2 or a low 4-3. That'll be really interesting to see uh, if that's what's able to happen here. But uh, if he can have his size and speed like that, I think that's one of the things where, you know, when guys are trying to to separate these guys, decision makers are looking at, you know, little minute differences between these, these receivers. I think Higgins' size might really make a difference for him. You want to talk about a burner, by the way. How about Jalen Rigor? There's another guy that could burn the track in Indianapolis. What do you have to say today? Yeah, he's an interesting guy down here, too, because his dad won a Super Bowl with the Colts, so he's obviously got a lot of fans here uh, without ever having really stepped foot in the city before today. Uh, but he's he's another guy that was talking about that speed. I think he's interesting because his dad was an even lineman. And when you first look at Jalen, you can see it. You know, you can see that that's in his blood. Uh, he's not a small guy by any means. Uh, but much like T. Higgins, he can fly. He's he's saying low two four or high four twos, low four threes as well. And, and he put numbers up like that. Uh, he's starting to get into DK Metcalf territory there, where you're that big and you're that fast. And then somebody like the Seahawks have done, somebody's gonna be able to find a way to use you. I would assume. And Chase Claypool is there as well from Notre Dame. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast. He's a guy that some people think could be a sleeper. Some have compared him to Quincy Anunwa, whose future is in doubt here with the Jets. Real breakout season this year for Notre Dame. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think it's interesting with Claypool because there's a lot of talk here, not from him and not directly from teams, but people kind of speculating, is he a guy who could maybe move to tight end? Uh, He's got decent enough size that he could probably do that. We've seen, obviously, guys that can make plays in the passing game at tight end have huge impacts on the game recently. And, he, you know, he was kind of talking around that a little bit. He basically said it's not something he's opposed to, uh, but he said no team has really brought that up with him yet. Everyone he's talked to has talked about wide receiver and special teams, and, and that's where his focus is. But I think it does give you an idea of sort of the versatility he has and, again, the depth of this receiver group where – I think if if you're in the market for a receiver, the great thing about this year's class is that there's something for everyone. You know, you want a smaller, speedy guy, he's out there somewhere. You want a big possession guy, he's out there somewhere. You want a mismatch nightmare, he's out there somewhere. So, you know, I think teams that do their work should be able to find uh, a way to fill a lot of needs in, in that receiver group this year. Including Ohio State's all-time leader in receptions, K.J. Hill. He's there, too, and he's another one of those guys that could be in the 27 group, the group of 27 people that Daniel Jeremiah thinks could go in rounds one through three. Yeah, it's it's incredible to think that K.J. Hill is the all-time leader in receptions at Ohio State. You think about some of the names that have come through there. 
uh, even recently, but going back to, you know, Joey Galloway, Terry Glenn, guys like that yesteryear, uh, for him to, to have that mark at a school of that stature and really to be kind of a quiet guy in this draft because there's so much talent in that group. Uh, there's people who think he might be a day three guy. Now, that's incredible to think. You know, here's a guy who made a lot of plays at Ohio State, uh, really was influential, really important in that, that comeback against Wisconsin, the Big Ten Championship game, uh, put up some good numbers against Clemson in the, loss, the playoff game. Uh, and here's a kid that, like I said, he could be, now you never know. I mean, you talk in February, and then what actually happens in April sometimes don't match up very well at all. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's people right now that believe, at least potentially, this is a guy that could still be on the board when, when the fourth round starts on Saturday. Could be an interesting bargain for a wide receiver hungry team. And we know that the team that you cover, the Indianapolis Colts, as well as the team that I cover, the New York Jets, both looking for wide receivers in this draft. And the number one receiver on most boards is Jerry Judy. Some strange stuff going on with him there today in Indianapolis, George, to say the least. You know, I'm always amazed every year because we talk about, you know, how much these guys train for this, both on the field and in the media uh, portion of it. And you think that. Uh, in today's world, you know, nothing's missed. It's a fine-tooth comb for everything. How could anything get through? And then every year, somebody comes out, sticks their foot in their mouth somewhere or another. And uh, Judy was kind of this year's goat in that regard, I guess. Uh, he was, I think, making a joke in very poor taste. Uh, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but it was a situation where he wears a Star David uh, necklace. And so, of course, you have that on. Uh, you're at the the combine, the media from all across the NFL and college football is here. You're going to get asked about it. Somebody asked him, you know, why, why do you wear this? And he basically said his last name, uh, Judy, his nickname is Jew because of that. And so even though he's not Jewish, he wears the star David. And of course uh, there are going to be a good many people who find that to not be uh, a wonderful thing to be talking about and, and to be joking about. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. And I think that's – people – I think it's a good thing to kind of underline one of the biggest things about this combine. Everything you do is being watched. And I think people talk about that every year. You can't hammer that home enough. Every comment you make in the media room. But every – you know, the way you walk down the hallway to go to a drill, the way you act between drills, uh, they're watching everything because they, they, they're, they're going to spend – these teams are going to spend millions of dollars. They want to know – every little hint they can get about you. So, uh, you know, is it going to be a major factor on his draft status? I highly doubt it. Uh, but is it the kind of mistake that you want to avoid when you're here? Absolutely. George, before we move on to the big story of the day involving Joe Burrow, I just want to get into some quick Jets news and notes. Adam Gase says he thinks that C.J. Mosley is going to be ready for the spring. And then a couple of quotes from Joe Douglas. He says the plan is to make Jamal Adams a Jet for life. He's had preliminary talks with Adam's agent. They're hoping to get something done, but it's just preliminary talks right now. Then he talked about the offensive line, saying that the Jets have to do a better job of taking care of Sam Darnold. No kidding, if they don't, he may end up in early retirement like our good buddy Andrew Luck. And so he identified the types of offensive linemen that he would like to grab with that 11th pick. I'm laughing at this, George, because this is one of those, oh, you don't say. He wants an offensive lineman who's smart, durable, tough, explosive, and versatile. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, 
there should be plenty of those just hanging around here on the street, right? <laughs> I thought he wanted lazy, underachieving, silly, dumb offensive linemen. Why would you yeah. want guys with all those traits? So obviously we know that Joe Douglas is doing the GM speak thing, which is fine. Also said he's not looking to initiate trade talks for Le'Veon Bell, not looking to deal him. Which, if you pay close attention, could open the door for a team to call and inquire because uh-huh. Douglas said he's not initiating talks doesn't necessarily mean he won't listen. I do still think that ultimately because of the salary that Le'Veon Bell is to be paid in 2020, the likelihood of him being traded is very low. And I would hope that they come to their senses and that Joe Douglas doesn't just want to not initiate something that he just doesn't trade him because there's no point in trading a player like that when his value is this low and you would have to eat a significant portion of the contract. George, let's talk now about the big story, and that involves Joe Burrow. So there were two things going on with Joe Burrow. The first was there was a quote which he says was taken out of context that made it sound like he didn't want to play for the Bengals. The second involves his hand size, which cracks me up. Talk to me a little bit about this. Yeah, it was pretty funny. First of all, uh, Joe Burrow was exactly the guy he should have been today. He was. They give them seats here at the podiums, but most of the guys don't use it. Most of them are standing. Joe was sitting down, almost laid back. He, he was maybe missing a cold one in his hand was about it. Uh, he looked like he was as relaxed and as comfortable as you could be. And why would you not be? I mean, you're talking about a guy who had arguably the greatest college football season of all time. You win the Heisman Trophy. You win the national title. You complete, what, 76, almost 77% of your passes. Uh, he did it all in dominant fashion. Uh, he's enjoying this the way that he should, I think. He was adamant that he's got nothing against Cincinnati. He said, I don't know where that came from. Uh, that's not an issue, and it's not something that's going to factor into uh, the draft in his mind. Uh, and also, you know, he was joking again about his hand size. I know yesterday on Twitter he had a good line about he guesses he's just going to retire now because his hands aren't big enough, uh, so just it's over. Uh, and he was sort of along those lines again today, just, just joking about the fact that, you know, probably a lot being made out of hand size for a guy who – Played the position about as well as you can imagine it being played last year at LSU. And he wasn't the only quarterback that was having to talk about things that were riling people up. There were two others. One of them was Tua Tagovailoa. There was a comment that made it sound like he only wanted to play for the Cowboys. Similar to the Joe Burrow comment about the Bengals, but in reverse, he was very adamant that that is not what he was trying to say. Yeah, I don't see Tua get riled up very often. I mean, you see him, he's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, he was a little angry today about that, actually. He said, look, growing up, I was a Cowboy fan. He had two dogs. One was named Dallas. One was named Star. But he said everybody grows up with a favorite team, and he's right. You know, almost everybody in, the, in that room today or comes through here the next four days grew up cheering for somebody. That goes out the window now. You know, now I'm an employee trying to get a job. It doesn't matter who drafts me. I don't care. You know, I'll play wherever. It's a dream just to be in the NFL. It's what you would expect him to say, but he said it with some force and he basically said, look, you know, people are going to take quotes out of context. I can't do anything about that. Uh, but there's zero to this. There, there's absolutely no merit to these stories and he'll play for whoever drafts him. And Jordan Love was fired up as well, especially when he was asked about interceptions. He had a lot to say, but he had quite a few interesting quotes here today. So talk to me a little bit about Jordan Love. 
Yeah, I thought he was a guy. You know, we talked about Jerry Judy kind of not doing himself any favors with with some of the things that he said. Again, that's not going to impact. You know, I don't want to stand here and be like, he's falling in the draft now. It's nothing crazy <laughs> like that. It's just, hey, that wasn't the best day you could have had. I think Jordan Love probably did have a really good day at the podium. Uh, he he showed confidence, but it was the right kind of confidence in himself. And he was very open about his struggles. You know, he said he has watched the film of of his interceptions over and over again. And so breaking it down with NFL teams is not a problem for him because he's, he's been there. That's all he's really been doing since the season ended, you know, trying to figure out what happened and, and why. So a lot of it was just trying to force the football stuff you would expect. You know, he's, he's trying to, to fit it into tight windows where he shouldn't, trying to force some throws, make something happen where maybe it was better not to take a risk in that spot. And that's part of being a young quarterback and growing. Obviously, he didn't make the excuse, but obviously a lot of it had to do with a, a pretty significant change in personnel from his sophomore to his junior season. You know, a lot of new faces that he's thrown to, uh, and he didn't adjust very well. And he was very open about that. So that was interesting. Towards the end of of his availability, somebody asked him, you know, do you get tired of talking about interceptions? You know, do you wish that people maybe would focus on what you did well and not focus so much on what you did poorly? And he said, point blank, Jordan Love said, look, if I don't want to talk about seventeen interceptions, or if I don't want to talk about interceptions, I shouldn't throw seventeen of them. And I thought that was a really, you know, look, <laughs> you'd rather not do it, but if you're going to have numbers like that, own them. And, and he stood up there and did that today. And Jake Fromm had something to say about hand size, too. It wasn't just Joe Burrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and Jake Fromm's one of those guys that you don't hear it as much. You know, Kyler Murray goes number one, Baker Mayfield goes number one in back-to-back years, and then they be at that ideal height. So I think you're not hearing so much about size as you used to, but from one of those guys right at that six foot line, uh, he's going to get it, you know, off and on. Is he big enough? You know, does he have strong enough arm? All those sorts of things. Uh, his hand size, I think it was one eighth inch under uh, the nine inch sort of minimum that, that people like to use. And he was downplaying that as well. Much like Joe Burrow, you know, he basically said, look, these, these are the same hands that played in three SEC championship games with a couple of sugar bowls. I think I'll be okay. Since we're talking about people named Jake, Jacob Eason is a guy who apparently some people believe could be jumping up the draft boards. There's even rumors that your guys, the Colts, might be in the mix for him with the 15th overall pick. What did Eason have to say today? Yeah, he's a guy that, that I think the Jets fans should really be cheering for, too, because there's one of those guys who hasn't really been traditionally mocked you know, in the top half of the first round, who maybe can work himself in there. And, and obviously the more quarterbacks that go – early uh the better it is for the teams that don't need qbs because obviously that's going to push down more linemen more receivers more defensive guys uh that's what you want you know it's the way we used to operate here in indianapolis root for all those quarterbacks to move up the board uh and drop something else down to you uh it'll be interesting to see if Eason is, is that guy i thought he was pretty i don't want to say bland today but uh the little time that i was over there with him he was he was pretty much what you expect from a quarterback you know he's He's saying all the right things. It's been his dream since he was a kid to play in this league, and he can't wait to hear his name called from the podium. You know, the the basic stuff. Uh, I think he's a guy on the opposite end of, of Fromm and, and Burrow. His size is not a question at all. He's six six, six seven, something like that. Uh, plenty big enough hands, uh, and a guy with a cannon for an arm. But I think the question with with Easton's going to be, does he know when to dial that back? You know, is he a guy who has the touch? Uh, or will he try to force throws the way Jordan Love admits that he did this year uh, and cause himself some problems? And you know as well as anybody, that's, you know, from one team to another on the board, that's going to be a different answer. And all eyes are not just going to be on those quarterbacks, but even more so 
on Justin Herbert of Oregon, who is going to throw on Thursday. A lot of intrigue there. There are people that think he might go as high as number six to the San Diego Chargers. As we know, they just recently announced they're going to be cutting ties with Phillip Rivers, so they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. What's the latest buzz on Herbert? Yeah, and not that it means anything here, but the way he carries himself at the, at the podium, he has that it factor there. You know, Ultimately, that's not going to translate very well at all if you can't do the job on the field no one's going to care you know whether or not you're winning the press conference but he's one of those guys that just stand up there at the podium is cadence just the way that he talks the way that he carries himself he felt like a guy you can see a team you know putting their money into putting their belief into uh, whether or not that translates we'll see but he's definitely a guy who's been on the rise and yeah you know I, I think there's a lot of rumor as far as what's going to go on in that top 10 this year a lot of teams in there who may or may not be in the quarterback market. I, I know there's at least some talk today that Carolina is going to stick with Cam Newton after all. I thought that uh, I know they're picking 12th, but they're still up there, you know, pretty far up in the draft. I know Bruce Arians today was kind of on the fence about Jameis Winston. He said that they have made a decision yet on him and that he kind of wants to see how the franchise tags play out, you know, which of these quarterbacks actually is available and it isn't just talk before he starts to make a decision on moving on from Jameis. Uh, but there's a lot of teams in there that, that maybe, you know, are going to be looking at a quarterback. Uh, everybody seems to – well, everybody knows Joe Burrow's going number one in Cincinnati. And then it looks like two will be the second guy off the board, whether that's, you know, five to Miami, whether that's earlier because of a trade. Now it looks like that Herbert has a chance really to solidify himself as that number three guy and maybe even a little more. I mean, he does have an opportunity in that he's the only guy working out here amongst that really top elite group. So, uh, you know, can that make him separate himself a little bit? Who knows? We'll see how that plays out on Thursday. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
Remember what I said before about how the Jets should want quarterbacks to be pushed up so that guys fall down to them and how you should also pay attention to quarterbacks because there are guys that could be picked on day three that maybe the Jets would be interested in as developmental prospects. Remember, they do have two picks in the sixth round. One of those guys is Jalen Hurts, who is there today. He's somebody that could go on day three. What did he have to say from the podium today? Jalen's another interesting guy. I mean, obviously, he played at two of the, the biggest schools, uh, the biggest traditions that you can find around it, Alabama and Oklahoma. Uh, took them both to the playoffs. You know, this year, put up really good numbers. He said it was really good uh, to have the opportunity to kind of follow in the footsteps of guys like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield playing that system, show that he could throw the ball a little more than, than he had at Alabama. Uh, and I thought one of the interesting things with him is, you know, everybody talks about you're going to improve every day. That That's kind of the – Around here in Indy, it's always get 1% better, but I think that's everywhere. Everybody talks about that, you know, get a little bit better today. Uh, he was talking about that, but he also talked about, you know, he's, he's very cognizant of not putting a ceiling on himself. And I think sometimes that's what happens. You listen too much to outside projections. You listen to, you know, what other people are saying, and you start to kind of limit yourself. And, and Taylor Hurt said that he's very, very cognizant of not doing that. You know, he, he doesn't feel like there's any limit to, as he said, his greatness. Uh, and he's going to try to, to, you know, he's not coming in the league thinking about being a career backup. You know, he's going to come in and, and dream as big as anybody else in this draft class. Some other quarterback notes real quickly. A little bit from Mike Mayock on the Derek Carr situation, which a lot of people have been speculating about because it could involve Tom Brady. And then some interesting quotes from Chris Ballard about what he's going to do at quarterback, which could pour a little fuel on that quarterback fire speculation in terms of what the Colts could do at 15 or even the possibility of them trading up to grab a quarterback. So what did Mayock and Ballard have to say in terms of quarterbacks? Yeah, Mayock was saying all the right things. You know, he was really giving a vote of confidence to Derek Carr. He said he felt like this is a guy who who is perfect fit for. Uh, well, he didn't think he's a perfect fit for John Gruden's system. He said he's a guy who's playing at a very high level in John Gruden's system. And you know, he was he was essentially saying you got to be careful. The grass isn't always green on the other side. You know, you got a guy who's playing really well right now in that spot. You don't want to necessarily go and move on and take a hit at that position. And so. Uh, it'll be interesting how that plays out because I think Carr's one of those guys. It's already, at least on paper, uh, theoretically going to be a, a crowded quarterback market this offseason, or at least potentially going to be a crowded quarterback market this offseason. And so, is it really the best year to be dangling a guy like Derek Carr? And I'm sure that's part of what's playing into the Raiders' mindset right now. You're going to get the return on your investment that you really want. Uh, but, you know, it may look like just about every GM out there was quick to also say, they are looking to upgrade at any position, and if there is something there that they feel like will make them better, they'll go ahead and pull the trigger. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, they've been connected to Tom Brady. We'll see if he even actually leaves New England. Uh, they've been connected to Tua at times during this draft. It'll be interesting to see what decision the Raiders make. On the Colts side of things, it's Ballard has very, I think, pointedly not given that vote of confidence to Jacoby Brissett. He said again and again that there are things that they like about him that he played well in the early part of the year when the Colts were 5-2. and two. Uh, But he's also, twice now, after the season, and again today, declined to kind of use the injury as an excuse or to, to kind of, you know, allay some of the fears about the way he played over the second half because of that. Uh, and he's mentioned again and again that this is the most important position of football. Nobody is surprised by hearing that and that they've got to make the right call there. So uh, I think the Colts are open for business at quarterback. It'll be interesting to see whether or not – because the other thing that he said today that I thought was telling, he was a very 
I think it's a very key part of his strategy and the way that he thinks. He was talking about quarterbacks in general get moved up. You know, we were just talking about that earlier. Guys, teams will will you know pull a trigger earlier on a quarterback. It's easy to kind of overdraft them, if you will. Uh, and he said that's that's something he's going to try to fight. So he felt like if if the grade isn't there and you go ahead and pull the trigger too early, uh, then you're doing that kid a disservice too because now the expectations that come with that grow, uh, the expectations in the locker room grow. And so, you know, I think it's going to have to be the right guy with the right grade, uh, but it's clear that the Colts are looking and, and that they are open to all options, as Jim Irsay said a couple of days ago. And they might go tackle, too, according to what Chris Ballard was saying, kind of beating around the bush when it comes to Anthony Costanzo. Sounds like they're talking contract right now. That's a name Jets fans are interested in, too, because even though Costanzo's a little bit older, 32 years old, he could still be a stabilizing force for a team like the Jets who desperately need help at offensive line. What do you think's going on there? Is he going to end up sticking around in Indianapolis? And is there a possibility that the Colts could either pick an offensive lineman at 15 or even attempt to move up ahead of the Jets and grab one in the top 10? Yeah, I think there was a lot of intrigue with him coming into to this week, really, because he had talked about potentially retiring. Uh, it felt like most of the way that if he played this year, he'd do that in Indy. And that seemed to be the tone that, that Ballard was talking about today, that they're really happy to bring him back. And I think they're just hammering out some details now. You never know. I mean, we've seen, certainly in this town, we've seen some pretty strange turns of events, uh, and they come out of the blue from time to time. So you never say never, uh, but definitely there's a lot of confidence that, that he's going to be back in Indianapolis next year. But the thing about it is, Ballard said, right now it's kind of a year-to-year thing, uh, not a long-term commitment from, from Cassandra. It'll be interesting to see what that deal looks like, whether it's a one-year deal, whether it's a multi-year deal. Uh, but he also said, and I think that's what's driving some of the speculation about the tackle. It definitely is from my perspective. Uh, he said, you, you never want to be behind on that. You want to be a year or two ahead with that situation because it's hard to get guys ready. You know, it's tougher uh, to get to get guys in college ready to play right away uh, with the changing offenses. And a lot of things that are going on with, with that in, in college football. And so I think there's a good chance that they take a, a, court, a tackle relatively early. You know, whether that's the first round, I don't know if they would do that. But it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it happened somewhere in the second, third, or fourth round uh, with the idea that Casazzo's not going to be here forever. So you don't think they're going to do the Philadelphia Eagles thing where they jumped up, grabbed Dillard, and pegged him as the eventual replacement for Jason Peters? you think it would happen sometime more in the middle rounds? Yeah, I think right now, I mean, again, the way things have gone, uh, you know, after last August sitting at a preseason game and, and hearing the news about Andrew Luck, I don't rule out anything. So uh, <laughs> you never say never, especially in this town. Uh, but I think the way the way the winds are blowing right now, uh, I think it would be more like a middle round kind of a situation. Uh, depending, you know, if he, if he falls in love with the guy, it could happen. Uh, but I think Ballard is, is so low to give up picks and, you know, to move up. Obviously, he's going to have to do that. I don't think, I don't think that's ever his first move. I think he'd always rather, you know, let a guy fall to him and, and give value that way. There were also some tight ends there today, George, including national champion and son of all time great Randy Moss, Thaddeus Moss. He had some really interesting comments about tight ends that he's watched to prepare himself, and also Notre Dame's Cole Komet was there. Talk to me about these two. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, Thaddeus Moss is obviously a name that's going to draw some interest because of what his dad's done. 
he talked about not really being upset. You know, he's been, he's 21 years old. He's been asked about his dad all his life. Doesn't really bother him at this point to answer questions about his dad. He expects that. Uh, and he was more than happy to do it again today, but you know, he's a tight end. He's not a wide receiver. He's a big guy. Uh, he's good. He's got good hands. I think he showed that, especially in the national championship game, making some big plays for the Tigers there as they got past Clemson and won the national title. Uh, but, you know, I think he's a guy who he is very interesting because of his bloodlines, because of the fact that he grew up with Randy Moss. And, and you know, that's quite a resource to have uh, when you're trying to figure out how to catch football in the National Football League. So I think there's going to be more than a few teams interested there, uh, just in the level of competition that he played, the, the level that he played at himself, and then the bloodlines there. That's going to be a really interesting prospect, I would think, for a lot of football teams. Cole Komet's a guy, you know, I, I look at him a lot like Greg Olson. Uh, he's that sort of tight end in my mind coming out of Notre Dame really was the heart of their offense at times this year when they need a big play that's the guy they look to um, he was talking about it was kind of interesting he threw 93 mile per hour fastball in high school uh, there were offers six-figure offers to come and play minor league baseball he chose obviously to go the football route did play two seasons of baseball in Notre Dame but uh, you know he's very happy with that decision and right now he might be and you never know uh, but he might be the first tight end off the board in April. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. George, some of these offensive linemen who we're going to talk about later on in the week, my God, the size of these men. I was looking at the top four guys that are in the discussion for that number 11th pick. You're hoping if you're a Jets fan that one of these guys falls to them. Andrew Thomas, six foot five and one eighth, 315 pounds, 10 and one quarter hand size. Makai Becton, this is absolutely unbelievable. You watch his tape and you see what a bulldozer he is, but just to look at his measurements, your eyes jump off the page. Six foot seven and three eighths, 364 pounds, and 10 and three quarter inch hands. And it goes on and on from there. The other two that we look at for the potential of the number 11 pick that may or may not be there, let's be honest. Tristan Wurst from Iowa and Jedrick Wills from Alabama, also gigantic men. I think it's hard to say that any of these guys could be classified as undersized, right, George? <laughs> There's no problem with their hands. I know that. All, <laughs> and, they, and I think the big thing that they were talking about today is they all have 34-inch arm lengths, which is mm-hmm. a big, important you know, factor. And that one really does matter because uh, if you can't get guys out and control them, obviously that's going to cause a problem uh, when you're trying to protect the quarterback. So uh, these are guys that, that, that check off all the boxes. I thought Mayock was pretty funny talking about You remember when he was on NFL Network, he was never really – Big fan of any of the nonsense that, that surrounds the NFL draft, some of the shenanigans and skits and things like that. He was expressing some mild concern about Becton being on a boat at the Bellagio going to the stage. And when you see those sizes, you know, it's probably a legitimate concern. Yeah, and I'll tell you, these guys are all huge because I gave you Becton and I gave you Thomas. Werfs, 6'4 and 7'8, 320 pounds. Jedrick Wills, 6'4 and 1 quarter, 312 pounds. And as you said, all those guys have arm lengths that are above 34. The funny thing for me is 
Of those four guys, the smallest one is Jedrick Wills, who has 10-inch hands, over 34-inch arms, and is six foot four and a quarter and 312 pounds. That's the small guy from this group. So yeah. I think if there is going to be an argument against any of these guys, it is not going to have anything to do with their size. Quick notes, by the way, Dave Gettleman today saying that the Giants are, quote, open for business with the fourth pick. To me, that's him telling teams, if you want to jump the Dolphins to grab Tua, give me a call. Also, Joe Douglas just came out with a statement that made it sound like they are going to look to bring back Brian Winters. If he does do it, I expect they're going to have to try and restructure that cap number because there's no way that they're going to be paying him the $8 million or so that they are going to owe him on his 2020 deal. George, before we run, anything else that we missed? No, you know, I think it was kind of a typical first day here. Uh, it's a really crowded day, a big media day. Get those quarterbacks out here. Everybody's interested. And, and obviously, I think there's so much intrigue this year at the, at the quarterback spot, not just because it's a fairly deep draft and, and there's a lot of guys in there with some interesting backgrounds and, and a lot of intrigue about where they're going to go in the draft, but because of some of the names that potentially are out there. You know, will Tom Brady be an actual free agent? Will he hit the market? Will Philip Rivers... You know, where will he land? We know he's going to hit the market, but where will, where will he end up? How will that affect the draft? Uh, and then when you hear things like that giant, I agree with you 100% on, on the Giants club. You know, that's basically a neon sign saying, hey, you want to uh, come to four and get him? Um, it, it's going to be really interesting because that, as as you know, every year, that's going to set the, the way the rest of this draft falls. You know, are there two quarterbacks going in the top five? Are there three? You know, do four go in the top 10? Do five go in the top 13 or 15 picks here? Um, you know, you hear some crazy things this time of year, and it'll be interesting to see how that figures out. But if you end up with something along the lines of Burrow, Tua, uh, Eason, maybe Love, maybe, well, definitely Herbert, uh, you know, all that would help the Jets a lot. If they can get those guys up, uh, all those guys go before 12, that's probably a perfect storm for, for the Jets this year. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the rest of this combine because I think it's going to shape a lot of the early perceptions of these guys. And so we'll stay tuned for tomorrow when we get into day number two of the combine. George will join me again. George, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Really appreciate it. Always fun talking to you about all things football, particularly when it's right in your backyard in Indianapolis. So you didn't really have to travel far. That's good for you. And now you can be indoors and not have to worry about the bad weather as opposed to having to be outside side in December covering a Colts game and shivering a little bit for those that don't know where to follow you or to get your work they really should be following you on Twitter and they really should be reading your work if they want to learn about not just the Colts but really the NFL in general how can they get a hold of you how can they read your work yeah all my stuff at haroldbulletin.com it's h-e-a-r uh h-e-r-a-l-d v-u-l-l-e-t-i-n uh and then at gm bremer is the uh Twitter handle, and yeah, definitely. And while the big boys are coming in, the offensive linemen, so that's always a fun day as well. And uh, there's obviously going to be a little, maybe a reinforcement or two for some of those podiums. It's going to be fun talking about this the rest of the week with you, George. I can't wait. This is my favorite time of year. Unfortunately, I wish that it was December and January, but the Jets haven't played in a meaningful game in December in quite a while, and they certainly haven't played in January in quite a while. So the lead-up to the draft is my favorite part of the year when it comes to football. So I can't wait to see how the rest of this week plays out. And We'll talk again tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. Make sure that you're following George on Twitter at GM Bremer and reading his work.
as well. And a quick reminder for you, if you haven't given us a five-star review yet on iTunes, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. But it helps out a lot, so if you could do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Connor Rogers and Joe Caparoso's brand new podcast series, Badlands. It's available right now. It's a 10-episode series, one new episode coming out per day. Long-form look at how the Jets got to where they are now. Basically, the anatomy of 10 years of failure and how the Jets can fix it. And today's episode is especially pertinent to what we're talking about with the Combine because Matt Miller from Bleacher Report joins Joe and Connor and they talk about 10 years of drafting incompetence for the Jets and how they can fix that. So a really fascinating conversation. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead on Podbean. There, of course, are links on Joe Caparoso's Twitter, at Jay Caparoso, and Connor's Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers. Thanks again for listening. George will be back tomorrow for another Combine update. In the meantime, make sure that you continue to go to the place where you need to go to get the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, and you know where that is. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.